Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of April 21. In the news, Azerbaijani armed forces shell Armenian positions in Kerarkunik region. Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan reiterates that Armenia recognizes Azerbaijan's territorial integrity, expects Baku to do the same. And the parents of the 15 soldiers killed in a fire in a military barracks block streets leading to the government building. Yesterday, for about three hours, Azerbaijani armed forces shelled Armenian military positions near Verin Chorjad in the Gerarkunik region using different caliber firearms. They also targeted Armenian units carrying out engineering work. Over the weekend, Azerbaijani servicemen also opened fire in the direction of the Sotk gold mine, also in the Gerarkunik region, resulting in the evacuation of employees. Last week, we reported that two Azerbaijani servicemen had crossed into Armenia's Sunik region from the Azerbaijani exclave of Nakhichevan. Both were arrested last week. At the same time, there were reports that one of the Azerbaijani soldiers, Hussein Ahundov, had killed a 56-year-old guard at the Zankezur copper plant. This week, Armenia's prosecutor general's office confirmed that Ahundov killed the Armenian guard to allegedly take possession of his cell phone and car. The Azerbaijani intended to cross into Iran from Armenia but was not able to start the vehicle and then he fled on foot. Later, Akhundov recorded and published a video message using the Armenian guard's phone. He stated that he and the other Azerbaijani servicemen were not traitors. They had killed 400 to 500 Armenians and intended to return to Azerbaijan. On the sidelines last week, Prime Minister Nigor Pashinyan had announced that the Azerbaijani servicemen had crossed into Armenian territory as they were bullied by their fellow soldiers. Both Azerbaijanis were captured by local villagers in Armenia and were handed over to law enforcement. Both Azerbaijani soldiers face criminal charges for illegally crossing the Armenian state border, illegal transportation of firearms and munitions across Armenia state border, possession and transportation of illegal firearms. Ahundov also faces charges for murder. Armenia's human rights defender, Anahit Manasyan, as well as representatives of the International Committee of the Red Cross, visited the Azerbaijani servicemen. The Human Rights Defender's Office reports that the Azerbaijani detainees are held in proper detention conditions. They are provided with drinking water, food, and hygiene products. Manasyan also recorded that they were not subject to any physical or psychological violence by authorities. They have been presented with the charges they face and have been provided a public defender. The the National Committee of the Red Cross facilitated phone calls between the Azerbaijanis and their family members. This week, Azerbaijan's president, Ilham Aliyev, again threatened the population of Artsakh. In an interview to Azerbaijani media, he stated that Gharapakh is their internal matter and that, quote, Armenians living in Gharapakh should either accept Azerbaijani citizenship or find another place to live. Speaking about the negotiations with Armenia, Aliyev stated that by accepting that the peace treaty should be based on the Alma-Ata declaration, Armenia recognized that Gharapakh is part of Azerbaijan. He called on the Armenian government to announce that Gharapakh is Azerbaijan. Commenting on Aliyev's statements, Artsakh's foreign minister, Sergei Razarian, said that the Azerbaijan-Gharapakh conflict has never been considered an internal affair of Azerbaijan, not during the Soviet period, nor when the independent states were formed after the collapse 
collapse of the Soviet Union. Khazarian said that after Nagorno-Karabakh army and Azerbaijan gained independence, the international community created the Minsk process as a special mechanism for the settlement of the conflict. In turn, Azerbaijan's consent to be involved in that process was also a recognition of the fact that the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict was not an internal matter of Azerbaijan. Speaking about the Alma-Ata declaration, Ghazaryan noted that it has never been considered as a political and legal basis for the settlement of the Azerbaijan-Karabakh conflict or the determination of the status of Artsakh. He added that by the time the declaration was adopted, negotiations on the Azerbaijan-Karabakh conflict had already been underway for several months through the mediation of Russia and Kazakhstan. The conflict settlement process continued with the mediation of Russia, the CIS, and the OSCE. As part of the negotiation process, international mediators developed the basic principles and elements of the settlements, according to which the status of Karabakh was to be determined through a legal binding expression of the will of its population. Thereby, the right of the people of Artsakh to self-determination was recognized and a mechanism was proposed for its implementation. Armenia's foreign ministry also responded to Aliyev's statement and noted that the Azerbaijani president's words explicitly reveal his intentions to subject the population of Nagorno-Karabakh to ethnic cleansing. The ministry went on to say that the hate speech expressed towards the Armenian people by Azerbaijani leaders is clearly aimed at deepening the intolerance and hatred which has been disseminated in Azerbaijani society by state authorities for decades. And Artsakh has been under blockade for 131 days now. Yesterday, Rachel Denber, Deputy Director of the Europe and Central Asia Division of Human Rights Watch, tweeted, The lifeline road connecting Nagorno-Karabakh to Armenia and the outside world has been closed for more than four months. Azerbaijani authorities and Russian peacekeeping forces should ensure the right of access to health, essential services and goods, and freedom of movement for Nagorno-Karabakh residents. She noted that the people of Artsakh face mounting hardships with power cuts, rationed food, high prices and scarcity of fresh produce. People with disabilities, older people are especially affected. Women bear the burden of additional care, she said. On April 18, Azerbaijani forces fired at Armenian farmers in the village of Aknakpur in the Askeran district in Artsakh. Farm work was stopped and Russian peacekeepers were informed of the incident. During the week, the Russian Defense Ministry also reported several ceasefire violations in the regions of Martuni, Martakert and Askeran. This week, Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan reiterated that Armenia recognizes Azerbaijan's territorial integrity and expects Azerbaijan to do the same while presenting the implementation of the 2022 government program in parliament. Pashinyan stated that signing a peace treaty between Armenia and Azerbaijan will only be possible if both countries recognize each other's territorial integrity without ambiguities and pitfalls. Pashinyan did not directly address how Armenia envisions the settlement of of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict if Armenia and Azerbaijan were to sign a peace treaty based on the mutual recognition of each other's territorial integrity. He stated that there should be an international mechanism for dialogue between Artsakh and Azerbaijan, adding that there can be various options for that mechanism without further elaborating. Yesterday, Pashinyan told reporters in parliament that five kilometers of the Armenia-Azerbaijan border near the village of Deh 
were disputed by Yerevan and Baku, adding that 1.4 kilometers have now been demarcated. He noted that Armenian and Azerbaijani border guards are being deployed on that section, maintaining a certain distance from the border. Pashinyan expressed hope that the remaining 3.6 kilometers will also be adjusted soon. Pashinyan also spoke about the CSU mission that is ready to be deployed in Armenia. He stated that expectations from the CSTO mission and the European Union uh, mission Armenia should be different because the latter is a civilian observation mission, while Armenia and the CSTO have binding obligations towards each other. The CSTO has security obligations towards Armenia. The Prime Minister noted that Armenia is ready for the deployment of a CSTO mission, adding that Yerevan's concern is that the mission be effective. This is important for Armenia, for the CSTO, and for the region, and we continue to work in that direction, Pashinyan said. The 2022 government program report states that talks with Azerbaijan proceeded in five main directions, peace treaty and establishment of relations, settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, unblocking of regional transport and economic connections, border delimitation and security humanitarian issues. The report states that agreements around a number of humanitarian issues with Azerbaijan remain outstanding. Despite the terms of the November 9, 2020 trilateral statement, Azerbaijan continues to keep 33 captured Armenian nationals in custody. Armenia has pursued the issue of returning its nationals in all international instances, including at the European Court of Human Rights and the International Court of Justice. 31 captives, POWs, were repatriated in 2022. And that same year, Armenia handed over to Azerbaijan three maps of the possible location of the remains of 35 Azerbaijanis presumed missing. The report also touches upon Armenia's territorial losses. It states that as a result of the 2021-2022 Azerbaijani incursions into Armenia, it occupied 150 square kilometers of Armenia's sovereign territory. According to the report, as a result of the September 13-14 Azerbaijani offensive, Armenia suffered 225 losses, including three civilians, 293 servicemen and seven civilians were wounded and 20 servicemen were captured by Azerbaijan. The report also includes Armenia's attempts to diversify arms procurement. It is noted that more than three dozen contracts have been signed to expand the scope of military technical cooperation, the modernization of arms and military equipment, and acquisition of new types of weapons. Yesterday, Prime Minister Pashinyan received U.S. Senior Advisor for Caucasus Negotiations and Co-Chair of the OSCE Minsk Group, Louis Bono. They discussed the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, the formation of an international dialogue mechanism between Stepanakert and Baku, the humanitarian crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh, the normalization of relations between Armenia and Azerbaijan, and unblocking of regional transport infrastructures. This week, U.S. Deputy Assistant Secretary of State Erika Olson was also in Yerevan, where she she met with Prime Minister Pashinyan, Foreign Minister Ararat Mirzoyan, and Secretary of the Security Council Armen Grigorian. A number of regional issues were discussed during those meetings. On April 20, the first trilateral political consultations between the ministries of foreign affairs of Armenia, Iran, and India were held in Yerevan. The delegations were headed by the Deputy Foreign Minister of Armenia, the Assistant Foreign Minister of Iran, the Joint Secretary of the Ministry of External Affairs of India. During the meeting, the sides discussed economic issues 
issues and regional communication routes outline the prospects of deepening cultural and people-to-people contacts as well as trilateral cooperation in a number of fields. The sides agreed to continue consultations in a trilateral format. And this week, EU High Representative Joseph Borrell announced the appointment of Vasilis Marakos as the new EU ambassador to Armenia. He is currently head of the unit for Bosnia and Herzegovina, Kosovo, in the Directorate General for Neighborhood and Enlargement Negotiations of the European Commission. He has previously served as head of unit for Armenia, Azerbaijan, Belarus, and Eastern Partnership in the same Directorate General. Incumbent EU Ambassador Andrea Viktorin is completing her service in Armenia. Last week, we reported that Armenia is hosting the 2023 European Weightlifting Championship and that Azerbaijan had sent a 12-person delegation to Armenia with five athletes to compete in the championship during the official opening ceremony. The designer of the costumes walked up onto the stage and burned the Azerbaijani flag. He was quickly removed by security personnel. As a result, the Azerbaijani delegation decided to cut short their participation and returned to Azerbaijan. The following day, the European Weightlifting Federation issued a statement condemning the incident, calling it a regrettable gesture and an attack on the integrity of sportsmanship. The European Weightlifting Federation also said that it considers that this incident is an isolated one and will monitor the implementation of the additional measures requested urgently from the organizing committee. Armenia's Ministry of Education, Science, Sport and Culture also commented on the incident expressing concern and stating that it does not reflect the position of the Armenian authorities and deserves to be condemned in terms of sports values and universal principles of fair play. The ministry also stated that it regrets that the Azerbaijani team decided to leave the championship, adding that there were no security problems because the government of Armenia initially provided and continues to provide all security standards for delegations participating in the championship. Azerbaijan's prosecutor general's office issued an international search warrant against Aram Nikolian, the designer of the costumes for burning the Azerbaijani flag, which it calls a crime based on hatred against the Azerbaijani people. Today, the parents of 15 soldiers killed because of the fire at a military barrack in Gagarpunik region's Azad village blocked the streets leading to the government building, demanding that Prime Minister Pashinyan and Defense Minister Babikian meet them and present details concerning the deaths of their sons. On April 18, the parents closed the Yerevan Sevan Highway with a similar demand. Five servicemen are now facing criminal charges for negligence of fire safety protocols, which caused the deadly fire. Um, lawyer Norair Norikian, who represents most of the parents, states that they want to know clearly exactly what happened before the fire erupted. Armenia's investigative committee publicized information about the capture of Shushi and a strategic military height known as Arega during the 44-day war. The committee reported that a lieutenant general responsible for defending roads leading to Shushi had failed to do so despite receiving orders and having a necessary amount of servicemen and weapons at his disposal. Additionally, he falsely reported to his superiors that he was fulfilling his orders and defending Shushi. Another high-ranking officer ordered soldiers to retreat from the Arega strategic height after the Armenian side had successfully reclaimed it from the Azerbaijanis. And a colonel is facing criminal charges for faking illness during the 44-day war to avoid carrying out his duties. 
And yesterday, security guards forced out opposition parliament members from parliament after I have honor parliament member Takui Tovmasyan refused to leave the podium, announcing that she will not allow the Pashinyan administration to spread lies, cast doubt on Artsakh being Armenian or the history of the Armenian people from the country's number one podium. She urged like-minded members of the National Assembly to join her protest. About a dozen other opposition deputies heeded her appeal. Parliament Speaker Alain Simonian responded by ordering security officers to force the oppositionists out of the parliament auditorium. And today, Armenia's government adopted a decision enabling women to voluntarily enlist for military service for six months. After completing their service, women will receive a payment of 1 million Armenian dirhams. That's about 2,500 U.S. dollars. The government also decided to establish a fund to kickstart the process of creating an academic city. Education Minister Jana Andreasian stated that the 2030 education program entails the establishment of an academic city, which will be used to address a number of targets such as having four universities into international ranking, doubling the number of foreign students, and raising the international reputation of the level of education in Armenia. Well, but first they have to elevate the level of education, and by moving all of these institutions physically to another city... Well, by 2030, you know... Maybe there will be a change of uh, generation in the educational system, like the educators will change, hopefully. I'm being too optimistic. Okay. And let's end on a positive note this week. Armenian athletes have shown significant achievements, not only during the weightlifting championship taking place here in Yerevan, but also in gymnastics and wrestling. Weightlifter Gore Sahagyan secured first place on April 17. Isabella Yailian secured third place the day before. Gymnast Artur Davitian, he's our new national hero, it seems like, won a gold medal in the vault event during the European Gymnastics Championship that was taking place in Antalya, Turkey. Wrestler Garen Tevanyan won a gold medal during the European Wrestling Championship taking place in Croatia. And that's the kind of week it's been here in Armenia and Artsakh. Thank you for listening. Have a safe and peaceful weekend and we'll be back again next week. Mm-hmm.